0: Thanks Kels, using full names tonight. I haven't been called Jordan since my mum was down. <laughs> well, um, tonight is the first night that I've had the honour of preaching on a Friday night, so thanks for having me, this is exciting. <laughs> and, um, and hello to all of you watching at home. I wanted to say that somebody told me this week that I have a laugh, a laugh like Izzy from um, The Bachelor And so I went and watched the first episode and I was very ashamed. But um, if you think that that's true, it'll be just like watching Batchy tonight. Don't watch Batchy, it rots your brain. (laughs) Well, if you're taking notes, um, the title of tonight's message is In the World But Not Of The World. Um, And I think we'll just get straight into it. Actually, are you guys all looking at my shirt right now? See what it says? Auntie Geordie. This is my favorite shirt. Um, And I just thought it would be fitting to wear it tonight. Um, And if you want to know why, you should probably just ask Bethany and Elijah after the service. (laughs) I'm joking. This is not an announcement. (laughs) Kelsey told me to do that, guys. (laughs) Not an announcement. I'm just really pumped to be an auntie tonight love my mercy girl (laughs) in the world but not of the world (laughs) let's pray (laughs) well heavenly father I just thank you for tonight Lord I thank you um, I thank you for what you want to speak into our hearts Lord and and we just open our hearts to hear from you God Lord would you would you change us tonight Lord would you give a fire in our bellies Lord for the lost Lord, for the people that you miss most, Father. And Lord, would you teach us, empower us, equip us, and give us the courage and strength to be followers of Christ here on earth. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump straight into John 3.16 tonight, and it should be up behind me. You guys can say this one with me if you want. For God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only Son, so whoever believes in him will not perish, but will find everlasting life. I don't know why I read that one. It's one we all know. <laughs> it's a good one. And we've been discovering this over the past few weeks, haven't we? Number one: that God created us for relationship with him; Two, that sin separates us from relationship with God. Three. That God sent his son to redeem us. And then four, through acknowledging that Jesus redeemed us, we are made right with God and we are now citizens of heaven. Which brings me to the next verse, John seventeen nine, And in this verse, this is a bit of a long one, but let's just roll with me. Jesus is praying for Christians and he says, Father, I'm not praying for this world, but for those you have given me they are yours all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them I will remain in the world no longer but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you Holy Father protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me Jesus so that they may be one as we are one and then if we jump down to verse 13 just for time's sake I have given them your word I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Hmm. For they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. So in John 3.16, we have, So God so loved the world that he came to save it, And the verse is referring to humankind, to everybody, to all people, God's creation. But then in John 17, as Jesus prays for Christians, there's now a clear distinction between the world and us, his people. So something's gone on in between here. We've become his people through our redemption, and now we're citizens of heaven living here on earth. And that's what it means to live in the world, but not of the world. Following me? Awesome. Cool. 1 John 5.19 says this. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Satan brought death into the world by tempting Adam and Eve to sin. And so God made Satan Lord of the dead. I think Jesse mentioned this when he was speaking a couple of weeks ago. Our sin means that we lost eternal life. And we are spiritually dead as a result. And now we live under the power of the kingdom of death. But through salvation, we are now God's people, but we just live in enemy territory. But we are here to reclaim the nations. And here, church, is where our purpose comes in. The Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 to 21. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all the nations I'll read that again therefore go and make disciples of all of the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age We call this the Great Commission It's our greatest mission Our purpose You know, um, I, hope we th- I hope you guys got a chance to talk about this in your huddles this week How you li- use your um, gifts and talents And what God has purposed you to do Sammy said some um, wonderful things about that last week But you know, if you don't understand this, if you don't understand that God has called you to make disciples of all the nations and to spread his gospel to the lost then really your gifts and talents are void because literally everything is secondary to this This means that no matter what your gifts and talents are, your calling will always involve people and you should use your gifts and talents to bring people along the journey of being in relationship with God Amen. So how do we reach people with the gospel in a world that doesn't know that they need it? Let's talk about what our world looks like today. You know, um, it doesn't feel like that long ago that I was in high school. And I know that being a Christian in your school or in your university or even in your workplace can be tough. The reason is because we live in a post Christian society. A society that has gradually assumed values, habits, and a worldview that is not structured on Christian values. Thank you, Mr. Google. <laughs> so, what that means is our country, Australia, was actually founded on Christian values, but we have slowly graduated from that and we now believe that we're beyond that, that we know more than that sometimes we'll follow those values but straying from them is never far from our reach and the reason for that is because Satan is clever his power is lies and it is literally the only power he has have you ever heard the saying under every joke is a hint of serious. It's kind of a scary but funny thought that if I say like, oh, hey, Solly, I think there's a reason you just caught my eye. (laughs) If I go, hey, Sol. (laughs) So um, I have a reputation in our family for being called the homeschool bully. And the reason is, is because it's actually the way I met my husband. I teased him about being homeschooled. Um, but then Solly was also homeschooled um, at the time when I joined the family. And I used to say to him, Hey Sol, did you find your friends with your pair of binoculars today? <laughs> and it's kind of just gone on from there. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> not what I, to this day. But, you know, behind every joke is a hint of serious. <laughs> it keeps you guessing, did he really mean that? Do I really mean what I just said to Solly? Hey Solly your hair looks real good tonight You're welcome Keep him guessing (laughs) But honestly Satan plays with our minds like that He keeps us guessing We wonder whether we're good enough And he gives people just enough justification for their choices To make them seem not so bad it's pretty much like this poop covered in sugar let's get a little bit deeper things like love is love all people deserve love, right? how horrible is a Christian for being against gay marriage? The truth is, everyone does deserve love. Christians aren't against gay people. It's honestly not the truth. But too often we get painted this way. Because people take one thing that we believe and then say, "Well, I shouldn't say people. We fight against principalities, not against people. But people, but, but Satan takes one thing that we believe and he twists it in the minds of, of people, of the people that he has control over. And we end up on the back foot. Everyone does deserve love. Love is love. But to be acting on all of our feelings... It's actually not good for us and God created marriage between a man and a woman with a purpose to create families that's what we believe in as Christians the feminism movement women deserve equality yeah they do but what is equal value is not necessarily equal measure God actually created us different to men we aren't physically the same we are valued the same but it doesn't mean we are physically the same but this is what Satan does can you see how he works his magic? so we need to be clever about how we bring the gospel to people we need to be careful that it isn't without judgment or condemnation I don't know if any of you here have seen um, the the Roast Me forum on the internet. If you have, you you should probably go and repent because I looked at some this week. And I'm going to put out this disclaimer. I have literally found six or seven of the cleanest ones on the internet. So do not go and search this yourself after tonight. But um, Brent, if we could put the first one up. that's a long neck, you could drink milk and by the time it reaches your stomach it'll be expired I didn't actually think his neck was that long but let's go to the next one, it's brutal you look like you're 15 and 32 at the same time (laughs) I don't know about you but I saw it, he kind of (laughs) does You look like Shrek when he drinks the happily ever after potion and turns into a human. So this, this is a site, I should have explained it, this is a site where people literally put a selfie up that says roast me and they ask the internet to go to town. All right, I think we've got a couple more. What do you floss your teeth with? A mattress? Savage. Savage. <laughs> <laughs> if you scan his forehead, guys, you get $5 off any purchase. <laughs> you look like Spon- SpongeBob SquarePants asked to be a real boy. I think this is the last one. It's like the tape was ripped out of 50 different audio cassettes and dropped on your head. Does anybody under 30 actually know what a tape cassette is in this room? Awesome. Young and free actually would have taught you that, right? Isn't like the front of one up there? Anyway. <laughs> so brutal. So brutal. You know, we are not called to point out people's sins. That's God's job. That's definitely not our job. We're not going to win people to heaven that way. That's for sure. Instead, there are three things God asks us to do to show people the goodness of a Christ-centered life. The first one is loving people. What does it look like to love people in your day-to-day? Practically, when you go to school, work, when you're at home with your unsaved family, how do you show them love? You help people. You ask people how they're doing. You know what, I don't think there has ever been more of an opportunity to show love in our communities than there is right now. People are searching for love. I, um, I spend a lot of time at local parks these days <laughs> with my kids and. Um, I used to take them, I used to take the girls down to the park and there would be other mums and other kids there and they would, other mums would probably, they'd sit there with their phones and they'd be looking down or you kind of like, kids are like the best thing to hide behind if you don't really want to draw attention to yourself so you just like look busy with them and so they'd look busy with their kids and they wouldn't really um, engage in conversation but i tell you what, I'm calling it park dating I've been going down to the park with the kids lately and I've been dating these other mums, don't take me literally here, (laughs) but I am noticing that people are open to being talked with at the moment, they're looking for communication and just being able to show them a little bit of love, a little bit of encouragement and just being able to have a great attitude about what's going on in our world is opening them up to me being able to share the gospel with them and it's powerful. And I don't know if you've got the same testimony in your life, if you've noticed that there's a shift at the moment, that people are really open to that. Number two, acceptance. Accepting people where they are. Now, this is one that kind of challenges our thinking, like I was sharing on just before, because Satan knows how to twist things in people's minds Christians have typically been painted as unaccepting of certain lifestyles or unaccepting of people. But that's actually the opposite to what God asks us to do in order to share the gospel. He asks us to accept, to meet people where they're at and to show them kindness and value and love. And number three, forgive people. To forgive people quickly when they do wrong by us. That can be hard sometimes but if we can get good at that it has more power than you know forgiveness isn't encouraged in our world it's actually a heavenly concept by living this way we bear good fruit that's noticed Matthew 7 verse 17 says this I'll read it off the slide every good tree bears good fruit But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Read that twice if you need to. It's a bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) What it means is we are a product of our decisions. So how we decide to live our everyday life and our pursuit of Jesus is really, really important. We bear good fruit by choosing to live more like Christ, knowing him and working to become more like him. Guys, we do this by reading our word, by studying it, by having conversations in our huddles, by surrounding ourselves with our friends that fear the Lord and by learning from them. Iron sharpens iron. And then we go out into the world and we make a difference by loving people, accepting them, and forgiving them. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Spend time in the presence of God. Allow him to shape you. Pray for your friends. Ask God to give you a fire in your spirit to reach them. Ask God for opportunity. You know, powerful things can happen in your years at school. You are not too young. In your years at university. God is on the throne and he's on the move. And you might, might feel like um, the environment that you're in is so anti-Christ but God is able to cut through any of that and he will use you if you allow him. Pursuing Jesus sets us up for fruitfulness. It is good for us, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment. And like I said before, I remember high school being a tough place sometimes because what is popular is not always right and what is right is not always popular. Matthew 7, 13 to seven, yes, Matthew seven thirteen to 15 Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it What is popular is not always right and what is right is not always popular Sometimes you've got to risk it for the biscuit, right? <laughs> that is a really old saying. I don't even know what it means. I'm sorry if it means something rude. <laughs> Why don't we just change... Um, we're not going to change the topic. Get out your phones. Grab out your phones. You've probably already got your phones already. You're probably on Facebook, Instagram, scrolling, wasting some time. Awesome. I've got mine here. I think it's turned off. All right. Turn on the light, the torch, on the back of your phone. Nice. I wanted to do that thing in concerts where we wave. Yeah. Love it. I feel like I'm going to see Coldplay or something. Awesome. Now, if we were to dim the lights in the room, I don't know if we can do that, if anyone has control of that. Hey. What else can I make people do for me? (laughs) And turn the light and shine it into the retinas of your own eyes. Oh, okay. Take it away. Take it away. Let's raise the lights again so that those watching at home can see. It's offensive, right? It hurts. But the point I'm trying to make here is that people are living in darkness. And they don't even realize it. And when we shine our light, when we live a Christ-centered life, just like Jesus has called us to do, sometimes it can be offensive to people. Sometimes you're going to get a response that you didn't expect. You were just trying to show a bit of love, a bit of acceptance, a bit of forgiveness. And instead, they don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. It doesn't always feel good, but what is right is not always popular. Right, And I want to encourage you tonight, don't stop shining your light. Don't stop pursuing Jesus. Because eventually, as you build relationship with those around you, turn on your lights again. As you build relationship with those around you, it doesn't seem as bright to them anymore. And that's when we end up looking like we're at a Coldplay concert. And it's really pretty, and people are drawn to it like insects. <laughs> it's beautiful. What are you laughing at, Bethany? <laughs> All right, torches off. Sadly, our light can sometimes be misconstrued as judgment and condemnation. But we shouldn't stop shining it. A couple of years ago, my brother, um, my brother called Jesse and I. I think he called us or he messaged us. Anyway, he got in contact with us and he said, I've got something really important to tell you. I've decided that I'm gay. I can see you guys counting. It's not Solly, all right? I have other brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Girls, he's still an eligible bachelor. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Sol. I've been mean to you tonight. <laughs> anyway, my bro- my brother called my brother, and he told us that um that he was gay, and he he braced himself for this reaction that I was going to give him, and um. I think, I think Jess and I didn't actually give him much of a reaction and so we had a conversation a couple of days later and he was, he was taken aback by our response and he said, you know, you guys were the last people I told in the family because I knew you were going to be the most judgmental of me. And he said, I know you're not okay with my decision. And he said, I know you're probably going to hate me now. And I got quite upset, I was like, whoa, whoa, I didn't say any of those things. I love you. And we had a bit of back and forth between us. We actually ended up into a little bit of a, a disagreement, but it wasn't at all over him deciding to live his life the way he was deciding to live his life. Instead, it was about his identity. And I said to him, you're my brother. You were my brother yesterday and you will be tomorrow and it doesn't change the fact that you're my brother, I love you. You see, what I was trying to to show in that moment was love and acceptance. And it was true, it was honest. I love my brother and I do accept him and we have an amazing relationship now, probably better than we, we ever have. Because, you know, it isn't my job to tell people how to live a better life but rather to inspire them to. And my brother comes to me when he needs advice because he feels loved and accepted by me. And he knows that whatever he chooses to do with his life, it won't change our relationship. But I always wanna make sure that in the relationships around me, I'm leaving a passageway open for people to wanna hear the gospel, amen? We can inspire curiosity in people. Jesse and I were talking about this story today that he um, has shared a couple of times. Um, It's about a pastor who became a um, a mentor for businessmen. And he would travel the world and he would give these big talks to CEOs and businessmen around the world. And he would say to them in these um, presentations... I have four keys to my success that I'm going to share with you. And he would start to share and he'd say, number one, yada, 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 number two, number three, and then he'd say, thank you so much and he'd close the meeting. And he would get these people coming up to him at the end of the meeting and they'd say, great talk, awesome, but you missed the fourth step. What was your fourth step? And he'd say to them, I don't think you're ready for it. I'm not going to share it with you today. And then he might meet this CEO over lunch and he'd give them some more wisdom, some more advice about the success to business and the keys to, to creating a great business. And they'd say to him, you still haven't shared with me that fourth step? And he'd say, I don't think you're quite ready for it yet. And then eventually, when he'd built enough relationship with people, he'd turn to them and he'd say, I think you're ready to hear the fourth step now and he tell them that in his life his fourth key and the most valuable key to success was his relationship with God live your life in such a way that those who don't believe can see that there is something you have that is good and wonderful something different something that they'll be curious about and something they'll want for themselves too this is how you really flirt to convert, people. You want to keep people guessing. What is it about that person that makes them kind, friendly, accepting, forgiving? They have some of these amazing values. I want to know more. What is your secret? The answer is Jesus. And when people ask that, we want to tell them. We're dying to tell them. But we don't need to be street preachers. We don't need to condemn people. We just need to be clear about who we are and don't and not try to be relevant just to fit in. We want to be noticed. I remember being such an awkward teen when I was trying to share the gospel in high school. And um, I was going along at the time, I think I was like 16, I went to my local church, church's youth ministry and I, I have been an evangelist since day one of becoming a Christian. I've wanted my friends to meet Christ and so I used to just be so desperate to invite people along to youth because I thought that that was the answer. If they could just come, they were going to experience what I'd experienced, they'd be saved, all would be good but I hadn't built that relationship with a lot of my friends um I don't even know I think they knew that I was Christian but I would I'd build up the courage to invite someone along and I'd kind of be like so do you want to come to youth with me on Friday night or church with me it's um it's going to be really cool, there's like so many games that we play And they're pretty brutal and people get hurt and it's so awesome And, um, and then we, we have like a band, like a live band Free food um, And the bands sometimes plays worship songs But um, they go really fast and then, and then someone gets up to speak, but they don't speak for too long And they talk about Jesus, but like not in a weird way It's not like the priests and blah blah blah, they don't wear weird clothes They're kind of cool, they're really cool preachers And, um, and yeah, do you want to come? And I would paint over all of the valuable things about being in the house of God and try and make it sound cool and relevant and like something they'd want to be at. And I tell you what, not one of my school friends stayed for more than like two weeks. Once they'd worked out what it was really about, they were like, no thanks. But the people that I had built genuine relationship with When they needed it, they would come to me for those conversations. And that's the power in not trying to be relevant, but being steadfast in who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be clear what we are and what we aren't about. And most of all, we have to remember that God is on our side. That he walks with us, day in, day out. And that he already has the victory. Amen? He already has the victory. And so in closing, I thought tonight I'd, um, I'd grab a couple of people up. Don't worry, I've already asked them. So I haven't asked you. You don't need to freak out. And we might stand, stand together, if you will. And we're going to pray We're going to pray for our schools. I've asked each of these guys to pray for their school. We're going to ask God to use us, to give us courage and boldness to make a difference in our world. You want to come on up, Evie? Cool. Evie, what you shared on earlier about what you do in your school is awesome and inspiring. And I'm proud of you for being willing to be a follower of Jesus in your high school, even when it gets tough. Yeah. But you're seeing the fruit of that, aren't you? Definitely. It's awesome. There's no small thing. So why don't you pray for your high school? Yeah, I'll definitely pray.
1: All right. Um, Why don't you just pray however you you feel you want to pray, and I'll just pray for my school. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for how good you are. I thank you that you're our good, good Father. And I thank you for all the work that you are doing within my school, Arndell. I thank you for the ministry that you are doing within Anchor. And I pray that you will just continue to shine a light in the school. That even though we are so blessed to have a school environment uh, that champions the Christian faith, uh, I do acknowledge that there is so many non-believers in, in my school. I just pray that you will shine that light and that you will just uh, open the hearts of people to know you more. I pray that you will make um, our lunchtime group an open door. I pray that you will just uh, light something in the hearts of people, that they will come to know you through the ministry that we are doing um, in Ardell. I just pray that it will just be a source of your word, Lord. See you Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunities that you have given us to serve within our schools. And I pray for anybody who is struggling with their faith. I pray that you will give them the courage to step out, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And Andre, if you
0: want to come on up. Andre's at Windsor High. When
2: you Everybody, bow your hands, close your eyes. Dear God, I I thank you that we are blessed enough to have chaplains in our school and that we are also able to hold this thing called an interest group, sole purpose, where we are able to shine your light and we are able to share the fruits that we own to us, uh, ourselves and we are able to share them to other people. I thank you that even though our school has a record of being broken down, having Lost kids, people without their fathers, people who've gone through rough times—that you are still there, and that you have opened up, open and you have opened up opportunities for us to be able to share your light and to let those kids know that they are loved and that they are not alone in this journey. Lord, I pray that you just continue on to have your hand over everyone and have winter are high in favor. I thank you that, um, I thank you that we are able to just. Come back to you, Lord, that um, you have opened up many opportunities for us and that we are blessed enough to, you know, have Elijah, have other chaplains, and have scripture. And yeah, Jesus' name, amen. Well,
0: Heavenly Father, I lift up every person in this room to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just ignite that fire within them, Lord, to to make a change in their community, Father. Lord, to be who you have called them to be, a light in the darkness. Lord, would they go into the darkest places, Lord, and be accepted and responded to? Lord, would you be with them every step of the way? Lord God, would you help everyone in this room to realise that they have the answers to things they have never ventured through. That they can walk people through things that are difficult because they have the Holy Spirit with them. Father, would you help us to be hospitable to people? Lord, help us to love people. Lord, give us the words when we're in communication with people. Give us the boldness that we need, Father. Lord, help our hearts to forgive quickly when people do wrong by us. And Lord, teach us about you. Give us a passion for your word. Give us a passion for your people. Lord, we wanna know more. We want more of who you are, Father. Father God, I just pray that your presence would rain upon us everywhere we walk. Lord, that you would use us to make a difference. You would help us to make a difference. That we would see change in our schools, changes in our workplace, change in our families, Father. Father, Lord, would you bless us with the ability to see our own families come to know you, God. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, Father. Everything we are for your kingdom's cause. Lord, use us. Use us. Amen. Well, I hope that challenged and inspired you tonight. Guys, I want you to know that Jess and I love you guys. We spend our weeks talking about you guys. (laughs) And that we're for you that God is for you, that you're not alone in your schools and your workplaces, that you have incredible power on your life, incredible calling on your life. Why don't you use this week in your huddles to, um, to talk this stuff out, to be real with each other, You know, iron sharpens iron and you are blessed with the people that are in your huddles. If you're not part of a huddle, come and chat to me after the service and make sure that you're in one because we need each other if we're going to go out into the community and make a difference. Amen. Cool. Kels.